0: Glad that you are here this morning. It's a beautiful day the Lord has blessed us with, so we can come together and learn His way. Let's look to the Lord and ask God to bless together. Almighty God, our gracious, loving Father, we are grateful that you've given us another Lord's day in our lives. Thank you, Lord, for your mercy and your compassion, which have renewed for us this morning. With Jeremiah, Lord, we say great is your faithfulness. As we sit under the authority of your word, spirit of the living God, fall afresh on us. Break us, mold us, melt us, and fill us so we might be the proper and holy channel in your hand. I thank you for each one, those who are here this morning. We commit this time in your loving hands Oh, we love you, Lord, because you loved us first. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. We have been uh, looking into the Bible, B-I-B-L-E. That's the book for me. I stand alone on the word of God, the B-I-B-L-E. Behold, I bring life eternal. It's wonderful. God has given us his blueprint for our daily living not only for this life but also for the life to come. And that is the only book in the whole world which gives you life beyond the grave. And we are very, very grateful. And I thank you, Luke, that you are coming faithfully to study the word. Uh, Yesterday we had immense prayer time. And uh, we consider one verse, and I just want to just in 5 minutes give you a, a update and then we will get into so because that leads us into the word of god because we are going to study the doctrine of god and the attributes of god the characteristics of god which is so basic so important because you can build your faith on the character of god you can build your faith in the character of god and and it's wonderful and My heart's desire as we get into this character of God, the attributes of God, I I wish you would soak into, you come with a prepared heart to receive the word. You know, yesterday we mentioned that when you go to the restaurant, you you go with appetite, right? How many people don't go with appetite? (laughs) Don't go there. You go with appetite and you have all figured out what you're going to eat. So before the man who comes, you know what are you' going to order. When you come to the house of God, you should come with that prepared of mind and say, "Lord, what I'm going to eat today from you, I'm waiting. I'm waiting. This is not fast food f- place. If anybody is thinking this is fast food place, they are wrong, they can go to Walmart. This is where the ministers of the gospel... Prepare the roast beef dinner to feed you, and when you don't come with appetite, you are in a wrong place. But you come here that speaks to me that you come with prepared heart, and I congratulate for you. I thank you for each one that you come here for that. Well, Jesus, after feeding five thousand people or twenty thousand people, uh, he was talking about himself that he is the bread of life. Because even in Jesus' days, there were thrill-seekers. You know, even Jesus' days, there were thrill-seekers. They were looking for something, excitement. And when Jesus began to talk about that he is the bread of life, oh boy, they began to live. Because that was not the message. They wanted to hear. And today we have people like that in the church also. That they want to hear what they want to hear. So here we have Jesus say, let me read to you. And Jesus, uh, John chapter 6, verse 51. I don't want you to turn with me because that will take time. I will just read for you and listen to this very carefully. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. So, When you come to the house of God, when you come to the Bible study like this, the first thing you need to have to eat the bread, spiritual bread, spiritual bread. Like uneaten food, spiritual truth is useless if it is not internalized. What do I mean by that when the word of God is preached, you search your heart and say, Lord, What do you want me to get personally? So you personalize the truth. And then you apply. That means that you are growing. You're growing. You know, in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 2, there is a very solemn warning. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 2. If you can turn with me, turn with me to Hebrews chapter 4, verse 2. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 2. Uh, quick. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 2. Let me. Uh, f- For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them. But the word, the word, W-O-R-D, the rema God spoken word, preached and did not profit them. Not being mixed with faith. When the word of God is preached every Sunday. You mix with your faith. And the faith is the gift of God. Faith is the gift of God. It is not your faith. It is God given faith. To apply God given word. So you grow spiritually. Physical food when you digest. Oh boy. You grow You grow. That is what Heavenly Father desires from his sons and daughters. That you grow spiritually. He doesn't want any retarded children in the kingdom of heaven. He wants your muscles to be strong. So you can exercise in this wicked world and live godly living. That is the ultimate goal. That is the ultimate goal. That is what the Lord wants us. So the Word of God, even Jesus preaches, even if Jesus stands here and preaches, if the parishioner do not internalize, if the parishioner do not mix with faith, it is nothing. It's nothing. So beloved, when you come every Lord's day, I wish you would come that with desire. You know, I mentioned that. The knowing the truth without applying, it is worse than not knowing the truth. Do you know that? Knowing the truth, merely knowing the truth without applying, it is worse than knowing not at all. That's why Jesus told that, I wish Judah would not have been born. I'm talking about Judah as Iscariot. I wish he would not have been born That what Jesus told Those who are full are interested in eating and all these things. Well, I don't want to get into more details, but that was very much on my heart that we ought to internalize, even in the Bible study, as we get into the doctrines of God. You know, there are many things I did not know. But when you study, you know. Many things, all these years you came here in the church, probably you have not known. Certain parts, the whole picture you have not known. But when you know, then you say, thank you, Jesus. Help me to apply in my life so you can grow spiritually. That is the ultimate heart's desire. You know, I often say, Pastor Marty would agree with me, it's not how many people come in the church, but how many people walk in the truth. That matters. That matters that matters well that's, let's get into the doctrine of God. i want you to turn with me first chronicles chapter twenty nine that would be our memory verse for the next week first chronicles chapter twenty nine verse eleven. First Chronicles chapter 29, and I wish, my friends, you will bring paper and not, not pencil, not pencil, because this is very, is going to be very good teaching, I tell you, and you will never regret. And if you want me to go slowly, we'll go whole year, but I want you to get right. So 29, first Chronicles chapter 29, verse 11. someone can read loudly please thank you thank you see what king solomon says yours is the greatness who is our god his great god he is great God. And that's why he said, prove me now. Test me now. And those who have tested God, they, they, they say, He's sweeter than honey. He's sweeter than honey. So yours is the greatness, yours is the power, yours is the glory, yours is the victory, yours is the majesty. Wow. This is the God of the Bible, my friend. Tell me any other God in the world talks about himself. This is only God of the Bible. So, you know, that's why the Bible says, our God is a living God. He's not a dead God. You don't come here to worship dead God. His majesty, he's glorious. You know, that's why when Israelites came out, Moses was triumphantly singing unto the Lord. And Exodus chapter 15 and verse 11, this is what a powerful word. Who is like unto thee, glorious in holiness, fearful in praises, and who is doing wonders? That is the God. You know, Hannah, you remember Hannah in 1 Samuel chapter 1 2 who was barren, the Lord withhold childbearing, and the Lord blessed her later on. But when the Lord blessed her, if you know, her knowledge of God was so amazing, then Eli, the priest, do you know that? Eli was a priest. He was representing God's people to God, and he doesn't know whom he was representing. Hannah says, Our God is a holy God. Holy God. Holy God. And you know, my friends, the Bible never tries to prove that God exists. Do you know that? Bible never tries to prove that God exists. It simply states, in the beginning, God. If you know in the beginning, God, that settles everything. Whether Jonah was swollen by fish or fish swollen Jonah. It doesn't matter. When you know who God is. Who God is. That is the God of the Bible. How does. You know, let me quote uh, Charles Spurgeon. Charles Spurgeon said. I quote. Listen very carefully. This is so beautiful. Plunge yourself in the Godhead's deepest sea. Be lost in his immensity, and you shall come forth as from the couch of rest, refreshed, invigorated. I know nothing which can so comfort the soul, so calm the swelling billows of sorrow and grief, so speak peace to the winds of trial, as devout musing upon the subjects of the Godhead. Get into and you come out with unbelievable thoughts. Unbelievable thoughts. That's why the Lord has blessed us with his word. I over and over emphasizing, read the word. Read the word. Take time. Discipline yourself. Sacrifice your sleep. Get into the presence of God and listen to him, what he has to say. Know who God is. That was, the, that was the, David, the desire of David to his son Solomon. Know your God so you can walk. Know your God that you can walk. You know, how does Psalm 89 verse 7 and 8 describes about God? Psalm number 89, will you please turn. Psalm 89, verse 7 and 8. God is greatly to be feared in the assembly of the saints and to be had in reverence of all them that are about him. Thank you. Go ahead, go ahead. Thank you, two words are very important, underlined fear and reverence. When you get in the presence of God, fear. It's not like a slave fear the master, but just awe, awe, that you are in the presence of the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the creator of this holy universe. You're sitting in his presence. You're sitting in his presence is fear, awe, dread, afraid, fear. This term was used to describe the terror of the Lord's judgment, terror of the Lord's judgments, God's news, good news that God redeemed people have nothing to fear. Those, thank you, those who are uh, redeemed, they have nothing to fear God. They have nothing to fear God because we are, if we live according to his will. And then reverence. Sammy says, he need to be fear and reverence in the assembly of God. You know, my friends, my heart is crying and grieving because that two words are missing in the church. The two words are missing in the church. The fear of God. The reverence of God. We are, you know, we, we sing that song, We are in the presence of God. We are standing in His presence. Do you know that song? We are standing on holy ground. And I know that there are angels all around. Let us praise Jesus now, we are standing in his presence on holy ground, wow, we are in the presence of the holy God, what did the Lord say to Moses, remove your shoes Moses, you know, that's why in our culture, when you go on the pulpit, you never take the shoes and go because you are in the presence of the holy God. That's how we do always in India, always. Pastor Marty had experienced when he went to India. You are in the presence of the holy God. Wonderful, wonderful. Reverence, reverence. Very positively filling. God is often motivated for godly living. You know, my friends... When you know God, who is a holy God, that would motivate your actions, your attitudes, your words. I remember there were two women who were nurses in the Old Testament. Remember? Exodus chapter 1. Pharaoh decreed all the male child should be thrown and these two midwives they spare why because they fear god they fear god so therefore we conclude having the fear of god in our heart will motivate all our actions why do you do what you do because you fear god you fear God. Um, there are several verses, you know. Uh, if you have a pen and pencil, you can I don't want to get into all the verses because there are so many. but in your leisure time, you can go into and then study this. Leviticus chapter 19 and verse 14. Leviticus 19:14, Leviticus 25:17. Leviticus 25, 17, Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 18 to 20. Oh, these are the so powerful words. Psalm 20, 86 and 11. Let's look at this verse. Psalm 86, verse 11, and Psalm 112 and verse 1. Psalm number 86, 11, Psalm 111, 112, verse 1. Wow, thank you, Basha. Unite my heart, O oh God, to fear. Psalm 112, verse 1. Yes, thank you, Tim. Blessed is the man who feared the Lord because that leads him to obey the commandment of the Lord. Wow, wonderful, wonderful. You know, my beloved, God is interested in outward conformity of who he is. When you fear God, then your everything would be handled, operated uh, according to your knowledge of God. You know, my friends, if we have this in our private life, imagine what will be impact those who see us. Your action. You know, one of the things Nehemiah had to handle. When people were stealing, or, 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 or the, sorry, when the, peop- when the rich people were taxing more to the people, that whole thing came to Nehemiah. And the first thing Nehemiah said, Did you not want to fear God? Because that's, this is what you're doing. If you fear God, you would not try to get benefits from other people. <clears throat> what is what is it that God will not give to another person? What is it that God will not share another person? His glory. His glory, Moses tried to steal that he was not able to enter the promised land. He took everything in his hand. What the Lord asked him to do, he did not. And the Lord said, you did not hallow me in the presence of my people. Moses pleaded several times, but the Lord said, you will never enter into the promised land you know another promise another word about you God you can know Jeremiah chapter 9 verse 24 25 turn with me this is so powerful so powerful Jeremiah chapter 9 verse 24 25 Jeremiah 9. You know. Thank you very much. You know, my friends, Paul was giving his final speech to the church at Ephesus And he called the elders of the church. And this is what he said. I have preached the whole counsel of God. I preached the whole counsel of God. It's so important. It's so important that you preach the whole. God is low. You don't stop. God is righteous. God is just. God is angry with the sinners every day. God is holy, righteous, just, true. Don't just hang on to God's love and praise the Lord, I'm on my way to heaven. That's what Paul said, friends. That he preached the whole counsel of God. Jeremiah chapter 9 verse 24 is so powerful. Jeremiah was talking to his people and this is what he said. There's those who boast, let them boast that their glory, that he understand me. Do you understand God? Do you understand God of the Bible? It's so amazing, so important. And this is what Jeremiah says. That, him under, that he understand. Knowing that I am the Lord. <laughs> Psalm number 20. Uh, 46. He said. Um, the Lord is my refuge. And he said. Be still. And know. I am God. Be still. and Shut your mind of everything. And be still. And know. He is the boss. He's in charge. He is my Lord. Nothing should bother. So Jeremiah says, let him him know that he understands me that I am the Lord, which exercises loving kindness, oh friends. My God is exercising his loving kindness for me, knowing I am a dust, knowing my days are numbered, Knowing my breath is my nostril, knowing that I am so fragile, knowing that I'm not going to see tomorrow, yet his loving kindness. You know, Swami says in Psalm number 63 and verse 3, thy loving kindness is better than life. Wow. Thy loving kindness is better than life. And he doesn't charge me. He doesn't send me bill for past from Pastor Marty. He said, This is the loving kindness. This is hundred dollars for you for this month, you pay. Free is loving kindness. Every morning renew. Great is your faithfulness, God. Great is your faithfulness. Let him understand that I am the Lord who exercising loving kindness, and then what he says, that." I'm exercising kindness and judgment. You know, God of the Bible, the, the, the right in the Genesis, remember, there were three visitors came to Abraham and Abraham was sitting and he welcomed them. And that is all the story about Sodom and Gomorrah. You remember, this is the background. And uh, Abraham stood before God and two left for Sodom and Gomorrah to take care of the business. When uh, the Lord, when Abraham stood before him, this is the one verse, I love it, right in Genesis. Turn with me to Genesis 18, 25. Please, Genesis 18, 25. Amen. Thank you, Lord Murray. Shall not the judge of the whole universe do right? Has, any, his, has he any time did anything wrong? Show me from Genesis to Revelation. Shall not the judge of the whole universe do right? In judging, in showering grace, mercy, peace, He has never done any wrong. You know, we are in this planet Earth, so we judge God according to our thinking that God should not do this. My only child God has taken, why? Well, he has a right to do that. Oh, pastor, you are from Mars still talking to us like this. Well, if you know who God is, And if God doesn't make any mistake, he has a right to do anything. He has a right to do anything. Do I question God? No. Has clay have a right to question potter, what he's doing? When potter decides to make a pot, beautiful pot, he has figured it out in his mind so he goes out with his donkey, get all the mud he can collect, bring it here in his house, remove all the stone, put the water in, and then he, and he does everything he needed. He batter everything in order to make a clay. And then he makes the pot. In all this time, if you give the speech to the mud and say, what in the world are you doing? And the potter says, You will figure it out later on. <laughs> you know, my friends, the problem with us, the problem with us, we are interested in the final product. God is interested in the process. You understand? Let me say it again. We are interested in the final product. So we can say, Ha, ah, wonderful. But God is interested in the process. Because in the process, he would give you all the wisdom, all the strength, all the power you need. We are in a microwave time. You know, we want to push the button, get it over. But God is interested in a slow cooker. He just takes his own time. Should we complain? Remember Jeremiah 9:24. "Let him understand, I am the Lord. I exercise loving-kindness. I exercise judgment when it is needed. When it's needed, I exercise judgment. Don't tell me what I should be doing and what I should not be doing. If he's the potter, praise God, He is right. He has a right to take my life. He has a right to take me, give me life. Because he is God. That's why Jeremiah says, let him understand I am the Lord. I am the Lord. Let him understand that I exercise loving kindness, I am exercise judgment, and I am exercising righteousness. Oh, brands. I was studying this word righteousness. Righteousness is a big theme in the New Testament, especially in Paul's theology. Righteousness, Romans chapter 3, 4, 5, just wonderful. You know, right that word first came in Genesis chapter 15, verse 6. Abraham believed God and he was called righteous. I, I studied last week in a deep, deep, deeper way. And this is what I came up to. And listen to this. When God told Abraham... That Eliezer, his servant, would not be heir. Because that was Abraham's concern. After God called him at 75. And Abraham left his uh, hometown. And he's almost 99. And he has no sign of a son. Abraham was worrying. He said, Eliezer, probably my servant will be heir. And the Lord said, hold on, Abraham. I promised you. I promised you. So this is what uh, the Lord said, Abraham, uh, uh, your alias would not be an heir, but that it would be Abraham's, your own son. And then the Holy Spirit writes, Abraham believed God. Abraham believed God. Abraham believed God. It plainly states that God treat, treated that sort of faith as being equivalent to righteousness in God's eyes. In other words, listen to this in a banking term, I'm talking about the banking term. Those who are working in the bank, they would understand this, but you don't have to be a scientific knowledge to have knowledge to understand this. But I hope you will understand this. Listen to this. In other words, in accounting terms, God transferred Abraham's faith onto the right hand side. Of his ledger book. Such piety pleases God. Wonderful. Abraham believed God and it was counted unto him righteousness of God. When you have believed the finished work of Christ, when you believe God is holy, when you believe that you cannot earn your own salvation by your own good works, when you believe the wages of sin is death, when you believe without shedding of blood there is no forgiveness of sin, when you believe that you cannot atone for your own sin, and when you believe that there was Jesus Christ who came and he died on your behalf, when you believe this, God credits righteousness on your account. God counts your righteousness. He's righteous. He imputes Christ's righteousness. Not only that, my friends, but his spirit will help you to live godly life. Wonderful. 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 This is the God of the Bible, my friends. This is what we are learning about God. Who is God? Who is like unto thee, glorious in holiness. Let him understand that I am God. Let him understand I exercise loving kindness. Let him understand I'm exercising judgment. Let him understand I exercise loving kindness and righteousness. I righteousness. And God delights in that. You know, how can we know God? How can we know God? How can we how can one know God? Well, Jesus answered that question in John's Gospel, chapter 14, verse 9 and 10. Turn with me, please. John chapter 14, verse 9 and 10. Sorry. John 14, verse 9 and 10. Thank you very much. Wow, that's beautiful. You know God by knowing Jesus Christ. Amen? You know God by knowing Jesus Christ. In other words, Jesus was the visible image of the invisible God. Let me say it again. Jesus Was the visible image of the invisible God. Invisible God. The Word made flesh and dwelt among us, and His glory was the glory of the only begotten of the Father. Beloved, the Lord has descended to the level that He took upon Himself, our image. And yet he remained sinless. Yet he remained sinless. You know, friends, in John's Gospel, chapter 5, this is where Jehovah Witnesses argue with people, okay? So this is a, a, a lesson to all, learned for all of us. John's Gospel, chapter 5, verse 19, turn with me. This is what they always argue. Then he turned to Jesus and said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, the Son can do nothing of himself, but, with, but what he seeth the Father. Do for what things soever he does, these also doth the Son likewise. Thank you, Murray. So this is the worst they always hammer. In other words, according to that theology, Jesus is a small God because he cannot do anything without Father. Okay? That's the background. I preach that in our church. There are seven powerful arguments in John's Gospel, Chapter 5, which tells us that Jesus is God. God. Jesus is not a small God. And Jehovah is a big God. So they have a one and a half God. Isn't it nice? They worship one and a half God. And we worship whole God. They argue with this. Now, if you are pencil and pen, write down this. Number one. Jesus is claimed to be equal in person. Jesus claimed that he was equal in person. He was not a God. He was equal because what he does, father does. You remember in Mark's gospel, there were people who were grumbling and there was a man who was lower from the roof and uh, he was paralyzed and what happened? And Jesus said, son, your, son, your sins are forgiven. And these people, said, who in the world he thinks he is? And what did Jesus say? You know that I have authority to forgive sin. What father does, son does. He's equal. So that, and, and the verse is, chapter 5, verse 17. He's equal in person. Secondly, Jesus claimed to be equal in works John chapter 19, uh, 5, verse 19 and 20. I, I just go fast because we have five minutes only, uh, so bear with me. But I will, I will say seven claims. First, Jesus is claimed to be equal in works. Secondly, Jesus claimed to be equal in intelligence. Oh, sorry. Thirdly, Jesus claimed to be equal in intelligence, verse 20. Fourthly, Jesus is claimed to be equal in a sovereign rights. Sovereign rights. Jesus had a right as God has a right. So he's a equal. Jesus, fifthly, Jesus is claimed to be equal in divine honors. Verse 24. Six, Jesus is claimed to be equal to life, to give life. And lastly, Jesus is claimed to be equal in judicial authority, that he has authority to send person to hell. If God has authority, Jesus has the authority. So Jesus and God is not one and half. God is Jesus is God, and that's why Jesus told Philip, "If you know me, you know my Father." So if you want to know more about God, know about Jesus, and know about Jesus, get into the gospel, and know through the gospel you know who God is. That's the, that's the teaching, friends. That's the teaching, and then we will get into more details. Uh, Recently, I uh, uh, I was listening to the message, and you know this is wonderful. Yeah. So, no, no, thank you. I like when people ask the question. Number four, Jesus is claimed to be equal in sovereign rights. Sovereign rights. I was listening to the uh, will, uh, uh, fascinated board. Next Sunday, we are not going to our Bible study because we have a guest speaker and he will take over. Okay? So, God willing, Father's Day, we'll meet again here for our study. In the meantime, fascinated board, fasten your seatbelt and come on that particular Lord's Day. Uh, that doesn't mean that next Sunday you're not supposed to come. You're supposed to come <laughs> next Sunday, but this is what. But this is what I found out, my friends, and I want you to know this, this is, you know, people want to earn more money, more money, more money, more money. Uh, Solomon learned that lesson, and, uh, and the end of life, this is the wisdom came to Solomon. And the preacher was preaching that, and I wrote down this, and this is so powerful. Uh, listen to this, and if you want, I will go slowly, we'll go that. The more you have, the more you want. The more you have, the more you want. The more you have, the more you spend. The more you have, the more you spend. Thirdly, the more you have, the more you worry. The more you have, the more you worry. Fourthly, the more you have, the more you lose. The more you have, the more you lose Lastly, the more you have, the more you leave behind. Let me say it again. The more you have, the more you want. The more you have, the more you spend. More you have, the more you worry. More you have, the more you lose. More you have, the more you leave behind. Then Solomon learned the precious lessons, and this is two points. Number one. The ability to earn money is a gift from God. The ability to earn money is a gift from God. Secondly, our ability to enjoy money is also a gift from God. All right, I'm done. Thank you very much for listening. And uh, Pastor Mark, uh, will, will, let's pray. Uh, we need to pray for... Uh, Tomorrow there is a surgery, Pastor Marty, Lynn okay, in a Bristol Hospital, right? Yeah, oh, the for you. yeah okay. Uh, there is a procedure for me tomorrow afternoon, 1230, and I'm looking forward to minister doc- to doctor and nurses. I'm not worried about my pain, I'm worried about their soul. So... <laughs> I'm going to witness to them. So pray the Lord would put the right words in my mouth and pray for them as they ask me to pray. Even if they don't ask, I will ask. So we'll pray. So just pray the Lord would be present there and glorify, and uh, and, and and pray for the, our service today. The Lord would bless the truth as Pastor Marty brings, and um, um, ushers and everything will be God honoring. Uh, to his own name, okay? So, let us, any other concern to be lifted up? Any other concern to be lifted up? Linda, team, quick. Okay. God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob will send the angels and prepare the place for you to worship, so just trust the Lord, and he will see you through. And we'll, we'll pray. I'm praying for you, okay, go ahead. Okay. Pray for the unspoken need. Okay. Any other concern to be lifted up? Any other? Let's pray together. Father, we thank you very much for the time thou has given us in your presence. And Lord, we pray that you as we come together week after week to learn about who you are, open our eyes understanding that we may truly understand the depth and the height and the low yours O oh god that we may appropriate in our life that we may grow as you desires and lord we pray father for linda's concern that she's looking for a bible believing church lord we pray that you as you guided abraham's servant to the right person lord we pray that you are the same god we pray that you guide and lead to the right church and Tim has concern about unspoken we pray father that you know His heart and desire, we pray, Lord, let Your will be done what he has asked, and you glorify your name. We pray, Father, for our dear sister who is going to be operated tomorrow. We pray, Father, that you please be with the doctor and give them wisdom to do the best even after the operation, Lord, she might be cured and uh, recovered fast, and we pray that you glorify your great name. And tomorrow, Lord, my procedure would be your name and your glorious name to be honored. Now prepare our heart, Lord Jesus, to worship you. Bless your servant as he is bringing the word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.